Hi, I'm Danny Claire, and this is the Healing from the Hustle podcast. Before I jump into this week's topic, which is focused really on the language and the phrases that are used to manipulate within MLMs, I wanted to just give a little bit of context and background uh, just for this topic in general, because this was really the catalyst for me bringing this podcast to life. I knew for a long time I wanted to tell my story because I knew that it would be helpful to other people, um, but I just I couldn't quite seem to figure it out. I mean, I've been out of Beachbody for two years now, and it took me this long <laughs> to get to this point. Um, you know, part of it was that like I just didn't know what format I wanted it to take, so I didn't know if I wanted to write a blog. Um, you know, I, if you've known me for a while, you know that um, I'm a marketer and a writer, and I've um, you know helped a lot of people create their own blogs. I've had my own for quite a while, and I, I just I wasn't sure if that was the right medium. I had thought about maybe starting a YouTube channel, maybe writing a book, um, and, and the idea of having a podcast really kind of intrigued me, but I, you know, I just, I didn't really know how to start any of this, but really the truth was I was scared. I hate confrontation. I avoid it at all costs. And I knew by doing this, I was just opening myself up to it. I'm exposing a lot of things, a lot of secrets, a lot of conversations um, that really are, are meant to be hidden. You know, I mean, people don't want this stuff getting out. Um, I've, I had started following other anti-MLM creators um, probably about a year ago or so, and just kind of like lurking and, and you know listening to their content, reading their posts. And I know that they often get attacked as well. So I certainly didn't want that. Um, you know, and and also I have I I probably mentioned in the first or second episode, um, some of these accounts that I follow are really great and really informative. And some of them go after like specific people, like they'll do a whole YouTube video on like one particular person within an MLM company. And I didn't want to do that. Um, you know, not because I don't think that they, some of them I, I feel, you know, need to be exposed for this stuff, but I really truly believe that it's not about the specific people. Even my former coach within Beachbody, who um, really, you know, I feel did a lot of damage to me, but I believe that it's really the business model as a whole that creates these kind of like monsters within the industry. Um, and, you know, I, and I don't really blame them because I know that I fell into it, you know, maybe not to that extreme, but I, I did fall into, um, you know, the manipulation and the tactics. And, and I really believe that a lot of what I was doing was good when it really wasn't. So as I was listening to a lot of this content, um, I started to notice a trend within the language. It's all the same. It didn't matter what company the person was from. They use a lot of the same phrase phrasing. They use a lot of the same phrasing. And so I started compiling a list of phrases that others were noting in their content. These were phrases that I had heard myself and used hundreds of times as a Beachbody coach. So that was really, um, that list was really the start of me creating this podcast because it just made me realize that so many people are being affected by the same type of manipulation. And I almost felt like it was my duty <laughs> kind of to speak out. And so I decided to um, start a podcast just because I um, really felt like that was probably the best way to spread the word. I, I know, um, you know, people aren't really, 
reading blogs that often anymore. Um, and I just felt like this, you know, I always like to learn new skills. So I thought it would be fun to learn how to do a podcast. And so here we are on the seventh episode, and I'm going to just sort of walk you through, um, you know, a lot of the phrases that I experience and a lot of, um, you know, the language and um, words that were used really across the board, across all different companies, as I've learned, um, you know, by following other people who have um, really kind of gone through the same experiences that I've gone through. So um, I, I tried to like, there were so many and I had to really cut it down. I tried to sort of group these words and phrases into um, sort of like topics. So I'm going to walk you through that way. So the first one was, um, is really like attraction to the lifestyle and, and like recruiting tactics. Now, as a reminder, I was never recruited into Beachbody. I decided that I wanted to get discounts on the products because I had, you know, on my own, um, you know, decided that I wanted to do one of the programs and then I wanted to try the shakes. And so I signed up as a coach so that I could get the discounts. But I also signed up under one of the top coaches because I knew that at some point I might want to create a business, but I was never recruited. However, a lot of these phrases um, were used to keep me in the business, to keep me going. So although um, these you know, were not used on me to be recruited, they, they were used to keep me in the business and keep me going. Um, so the first one is, you can work as much or as little as you want. And, um, you know, this one always really makes me laugh because, yeah, sure, you can work as much or as little as you want, as long as you don't want a guilt trip or you don't want to be shamed for not working 24-7. It's almost impossible to build a business in this industry without working 24-7. So, yes, they can say that. And you might, you know, when you initially start doing something like this, you might have a few friends who want to join you. But if you really, really want to build um, and make enough money to survive. And we did talk about that last week that I didn't even come close to making enough money to survive. You have, and I did work 24 seven pretty much. Um, you know, this is, it's just a lie work as much as, or as little as you want. Um, another one that sort of goes along with that is that you can build your life by design. And this was really, um, more of like a lifestyle. I know, um, my former coach used this a lot, um, because she did a lot of traveling and she lived in some exotic places. And so, um, you know, there would be these posts of like these beautiful landscapes or, you know, just like gorgeous shots of places she had visited or, or places that she had lived. And it was just to sort of create that like FOMO, you know, fear of missing out experience of like, hey, you know, it would be so awesome to live that way. Maybe I should do what she's doing. And so that was definitely, um, you know, another manipulation tactic. Um, you can work from anywhere. Yeah, great. I worked from Disney World. I worked from the beach. I worked from all of the places where I was supposed to be relaxing and not working. <laughs> and, you know, when they say um, you can work from anywhere or that you're going to have time freedom, which is was another really popular phrase, um, that doesn't mean what you think it means. What it really means is that you're going to be working pretty much everywhere and anywhere if you want to make this work. Um, one of the, the things that a lot of, I would say a lot of people within MLM have this dream that they're going to be able to quit their full-time job. Um, and if you know my story, you know that, um, I didn't, ha I had my own business when I started with Beachbody and ended up having to go back to work. 
And that was a huge blow for me because, um, you know, all of these people were talking about quitting their jobs and firing their boss and being able to do their business with Beachbody full time. And God, that was something I wanted so badly. I really wanted to make that my full time gig. And I sort of like clung on to this dream of that for a long time. Um, and obviously it didn't happen. And I'm actually very grateful that it didn't because I think I would have had to have become a completely different person and somebody who I would not have been proud of or, you know, somebody I, I wouldn't really want to be. Um, and another piece of that too, is that a lot of these women were talking about retiring their husbands. And that resonated with me a lot because um, my husband in his previous job, he hated that job. He was, you know, it was very, very physically demanding. He was getting hurt a lot and he was miserable. And so of course I wanted my husband who I love very, very much to be happy. And so I had this idea that like, oh, I'm going to, you know, build this business. I'm going to make all this money and I'm going to allow him to quit his job and be home and, you know, doing the things that he enjoys doing instead of having to do all of this stuff that's like, you know, really, really hard on his body and his mind. And that was something that I really clung to. And I will tell you within these companies, anytime somebody, you know, is able to quit their job or is able to have their husband quit their job, that is shouted from the rooftops. You hear about it constantly. And, you know, they're used kind of as an example. And to me, you know, seeing that, just seeing one person who had been able to do it, I would sort of have that in my mind that like, you know, if she was able to do it, I could definitely do that. And so that was really something I clung to for a long time. Um, you know, another, another um, area that is a little bit controversial is the income opportunity because um, representatives for MLMs are not allowed to talk about income in a way that, um, you know, makes it sound like it's, it's easy to come by or that, you know, you, you could possibly make a million dollars in a year or whatever the claims are. Income claims are a really hot topic um, and they really need to be um, scrutinized. And I think that, um, you know, I've talked about this before, there's not really a lot of regulation um, and there should be because I think this is something that really sucks a lot of people in, whether they're being recruited or whether they're, um, you know, already in the business like I was and just, you know, looking for reasons to stay. You know, talking about having an unlimited income opportunity or that you can write your own paycheck. Um, no, I did not write my own paycheck like that is so because it would have been much, much higher. Um, you know, it, it's just absurd to say that. And I, I understand like the thinking behind it is like the more work you put in, you know, the more money you're gonna make. But I mean, there are so many other extenuating factors there, and it's just it's just not accurate. Um there are also a lot of phrases um, that are used that really just sort of perpetuate this lie that anyone can do this. Um, and I, I just mentioned one, even in my own <laughs> speaking, um, was that if I can do it, anyone can. Um, you know, they say that as if there's a lit level playing field here, but it really depends on so many different factors whether or not you're going to be successful in a business like this. Um, you know, the amount of time that you have, other commitments that you have, the available funds that you have to purchase products. Remember, I purchase a lot of my own rank ups by purchasing products and by creating accounts for family, but I paid for that. If I hadn't had the money to do that, I wouldn't have been able to get to the level that I had been at. 
Um, so, you know, that's, that's definitely a factor as well. Your social circles, you know, meaning, you know, what kind of money does your friends and your family have? Do they have money to, to pay for this kind of stuff too? Because if they do, you're probably going to be more successful. Um, and also when you joined, I mean, there, there are definitely some cases of people who joined a business, you know, after it had been established for a very long time who could still be successful. But if you, you'll hear some people talk about like ground floor opportunities. It is true that if you get in early, it's easier to build a thriving business because you don't have as much competition. There's not as much market saturation. So, you know, that can be a factor too, not always, but you know, what I'm, what I'm getting at here is that there are so many different factors. So, you know, to simplify it to, you know, if I can do it, anyone can, it just simply is not true. Um, and another phrase that goes along with this is that we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Okay. Technically, yeah, we all have 24 hours in a day, but it's not the same. We all have different commitments. We all have different time constraints. I mean, for example, a single mother who's working two to three jobs does not have the same 24 hours as somebody who has more money and fewer commitments. It's just, it's really unfair to even say that to people. And I think it just, um, you know, creates a lot of guilt and shame, which I think a lot of these phrases are designed that way to, to cause people guilt and shame so that they will continue to do what they're doing to make their uplines and their companies more money. Um, and this is one that I think I mentioned a few weeks ago. Um, that you can work within the nooks and crannies of your day. Um, I, it's funny because I've heard that a lot across other um, anti-MLM creators, and it just makes me laugh because I used to say it all the time. And I used to even do trainings on how I fit in my work into the nooks and crannies of my day. Now, it looked different when I wasn't working full time because um, I didn't really need nooks and crannies. I just worked all day. But I did, you know, and I've said this many times, I did also work when I was on my Disney vacations. I would, you know, I'm not a big ride person. Um, you know, I get motion sickness and stuff like that. So when my husband and my daughter would go on rides, my son also doesn't like to do rides. So he and I would find a place to sit and, you know, I would be on my phone and I would be working. And that was like the nooks and crannies of my vacation. Um, when I could have been sitting there enjoying time with my son one-on-one, -on -one, instead I was working. When I went back to work, I was, um, and I, I think I may have shared this last week, I would get up early. I would do some work in the morning. I, you know, of course did my workout and my videos and all that stuff. And then I would go to work and I would listen to personal development in my car and I would work during my lunch break. I would listen to personal development or training on my way home. So I was like always working um, in those pockets of time. And yeah, that's doable. And, and some people do business, build a business that way. But is that really the way you want to live? Is that like with no time off ever, with no breaks? Definitely not. It's just a recipe for burnout. Um, and, you know, as I've shared, it wasn't really, it didn't really work for me because I still didn't really make much money. So I was working a full-time job, which I did make good money at, and then filling in, you know, any chance I got working on building this so-called business that really didn't bring me anything. I also um, noticed that there were a lot of phrases that were designed to um, sort of have you ignore your instincts and ignore your gut when you started to feel like icky about stuff. So the first one, I, I know I mentioned this at some point when I was telling my own story, was lean in. 
I was told this a few times um, when I was struggling. Um, when I was sick, before I knew I had cancer, and I was sort of like dialing back from my business because I was in bed for like two months straight and was very sick. Um, and then, you know, obviously like when I had cancer, you know, I was still told to like, you know, tell your story and, and, and lean into this. And um, like, I don't even know what that, what does that mean? Lean in? Like, I know what it means, but it's just, I don't know. It just sounds so stupid. <laughs> and, and it sort of makes me angry because I think um, it's, it's really insensitive. I, I felt like, you know, it was, it was always used on me when I was struggling with something really big, you know, really big, like, a, like an illness, you know, and, and before I had my, my thyroid cancer diagnosis, I was really scared because all of a sudden I had this illness that came out of nowhere. And I was like, you know, the poster child for health and fitness. I was always working out. I was always eating really, you know, following whatever program I was following and I still got sick. And so I had a lot of emotions and a lot of fear and, you know, it was just sort of like, well, you have to lean into your business, you know, and, and, you know, all of this stuff. Um, but I think the time that it upset me the most was during the pandemic because that was really, um, that was a period of time, obviously for all of us where none of us knew what was happening. I mean, think back to March of 2020, you know, I mean, I, I can remember like getting the notice that my daughter's school was going to be closed. My office was going to be closing down. Um, you know, a lot of local businesses, like we just had no idea what was happening and it was scary. And people were getting laid off. People, you know, I mean, they didn't know where they were going to be getting their income from. And we were being told to lean into that and to, you know, reach out to people. This could be a good business opportunity for them, you know, where if they're getting laid off, they could, you know, potentially make money. Um, you know, gyms were closing down. So we were reaching out to people, you know, giving them an alternative so that they could work out at home. And all of that just felt so gross to me. I did not feel right about capitalizing on a global pandemic. <laughs> like it just, it, it just blew my mind that, um, you know, that that was sort of the direction. And from what I've learned, you know, just by watching other people's content, this was very, very common. And, you know, I, I talked about some of the FTC violations and things like that before. The people who were leaning into this were really leaning in and it was just, it was gross. It was just gross. And, um, you know, I think whenever I hear or think about that phrase lean in, that's usually the first thing that I think of. And it, I mean, you can probably hear it in my voice now. It gets me really revved up and angry because it's just, it's not an empathetic way to do business. Um, another thing that we were often very encouraged to do was to forget the haters. And it's funny because like, even if you follow, um, any, uh, especially, I mean, I, I still follow a lot of like beach body people just really just to kind of keep informed mainly for content for this podcast, just to kind of see what's going on. But, um, a lot of the, um, you know, top partners within beach body and even a lot of the super trainers talk about haters a lot. And yes, of course, I'm, you know, I'm sure that they get a lot of like negativity and I know that there are like specific, um, places where people actually go to like make fun of these people and talk, I mean, there are like whole like social media threads about, um, you know, just sort of like making fun of these people. And so, you know, of course, I, you know, I'm sure that they're feeling that and they're responding to that, but you know, this whole like idea of haters, um, 
you know, to, to label everybody who, who has a negative thing to say about your business, um, you know, as a hater, instead of maybe listening to what they have to say and sort of understanding where they're coming from is just not a good business practice. But that's sort of what we did. So anytime somebody had anything negative to say, it didn't matter if it was a friend, it didn't matter if it was, um, you know, even somebody within our own team, didn't matter if it was, you know, a family member or whatever, they were labeled a hater. And that was sort of the, the lens that we looked at them from. So it was more, it, it wasn't that they were bringing up valid concerns. It was that they were just a negative person. And, you know, what's really interesting to me as I've dug into a lot of research for this podcast, um, I, I've been doing a lot of, um, I've been like consuming a lot of content about cults because there are so many similarities between like actual cults and MLM um, like, you know, their practices and their tactics and everything. And that's a really, really common one that sort of like us against them mentality. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I did buy into that for quite a while. And, you know, even like, you know, people I was close with, you know, in my mind, you know, I wouldn't like completely cut them off. But in my mind, I would be like, okay, well, that that person's a hater. So, you know, whatever they have to say is invalid. And that's, you know, it's just not a good way to to live your life, you know, first of all. But it also, like I said, it does sort of create that us versus them. And it makes you um, even more tied to your organization, which is scary. It's it's really scary that that, that works, but it does. Um, it, it, there were also a lot of um, a lot of phrases around like fear and faking it until you make it, feel the fear and do it anyway. Um, you know, and a lot of that was really just to sort of overcome overcome the fact that most of us were not successful. So I would, you know, if if I wanted to post about the opportunity, which was, you know, really to sort of try to entice people to join me in the business, I would have to find a way to make it look like I was successful, even if I wasn't successful. So, you know, I would show me on my Disney trips and, you know, I would even sometimes say like, you know, I wouldn't have been able to afford this if it wasn't for, you know, my career with Beachbody, which absolutely was not true. Like I might have made enough money to pay for a trip, but, you know, we were we were able to pay for our Disney trips because of, you know, my full time job, uh, my husband's full time job, the money that I made through my freelance writing and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't because of Beachbody. It was actually like in spite of Beachbody, because as you know, if you listen to my episode last week, I made peanuts. I, I, I definitely did not make enough to live a lavish lifestyle, but I had to, you know, sort of make it look like I did because who the heck would sign up for, you know, working 24 seven and making absolutely nothing. N nobody in their right mind would do that. <laughs> Um, you know, another thing that, that we talked about a lot was like the comfort zone. Um, you know, they would say success is just outside of your comfort zone or get comfortable being uncomfortable. And I'm sure you've probably seen like there are memes and stuff about that too. Like the, there's like the little circle and it's like, it says success. And then like outside of it, it says your comfort zone or something like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, to, to a certain extent that is true. Like, you know, a, a lot of times we have to do things that we're uncomfortable with and and things that make us nervous. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I love actually really love public speaking, which is funny because I was so scared of it for so long. Um, and anytime I have to do a presentation, I mean, even sometimes when I record this podcast, when I'm literally 
talking into a microphone in my office by myself, I get like the butterflies and stuff. And, and I mean, I think that's very normal, but this sort of went beyond that because it was like, you know, you're, you're sharing your entire life on social media. It's just part of the business model. And I was sharing pictures of myself in sports bras and in bikinis and like all of this stuff that I would never in a million years dream of doing before that. And I was so like nervous and uncomfortable, but it was like the, you know, another phrase, you know, this language that was used that like, oh, well, if I don't do that, I'm never going to be successful. So I have to do it. Um, and, and there was also a lot focused on failure. Failure was a huge trigger for me. I think it probably still is. Um, just because, um, you know, I had a failed business before that. I think that was, you know, sort of what made me so susceptible to a lot of this stuff. Um, but also, you know, I, I've always sort of had this feeling of like not being good enough or not being smart enough. And so I certainly didn't want to fail at another thing. And so, you know, they would talk about like, well, we all have to fail forward, which would basically mean like, you might not know what the heck you're doing, but just do it anyway. And if you fail, you fail, but you learn from it and you keep going. Now there's, there may be some like good in, in that sort of concept, but that's, there was no good <laughs> in this because it was really just like, get your butt moving. Like you, you need to be in activity all the time and you, you don't have time to be afraid. You don't have time to worry about failing. And then the other thing that they would say was that you only fail if you quit. And for me, there were many times that I thought about quitting, that I felt like this was not really the right thing for me, but I didn't want to fail. And if the only way for me to fail was to quit, I could never, I couldn't quit. And even when I actually quit, I didn't really quit. <laughs> and if you remember my story, I sort of did it in phases until I was basically pushed out. Because when I first decided I was going to quit, I just decided I wasn't going to build my business anymore. But I still had a lot of customers and I still, you know, held on to that. I didn't actually like submit a form saying that I was leaving or anything like that. Um, you know, so it, it really took me some time. And then, you know, the, the choice was sort of taken away from me, you know, when I actually quit because I, I was basically forced out. Um, but, you know, I, I think that pervasive idea that like if I was quitting, I was a failure and I was failing at something again, like I just didn't want that. And I also, you know, I believed so much of this rhetoric that, you know, if I just put in the work and I just put in the time, I would be successful. And so I just, I really held on to that. Um, there was a lot of um, conversation around like being, like what it was like to be part of a team and what it was like to work with your upline. And it's funny because I look through a lot of my older posts and I referred to my upline coach as my mentor. Um, and, and it's just interesting because, um, you know, I, I think I viewed her that way and I sort of like put her on this pedestal that she didn't deserve to be on and, you know, just believed that if I emulated a lot of what she did, that I could be as successful as she was. Um, and it's just, it's interesting to me that, that I fell into that because I can see it so clearly now. And, and you know, and I, I look, I, I don't really feel, cause it, it, it upsets me sometimes. Like when I look at her content and stuff, because it sort of brings me back to that. Um, but you know, sometimes I do see some of her content, other people share it sometimes. Um, and it just makes me feel like, 
I can't believe that I idolized this person <laughs> because so much of, of what she talks about or so much that she says is like contradictory, hypocritical. And it just, it blows my mind that I, I was like under her spell for so long. Um, when, when we're trying to recruit people into a business like this, the community aspect of it is a big focus because I think that's why so many women are drawn to these types of um, organizations because they they're missing that you know maybe they're missing um, you know being part of a workplace or maybe they're you know they feel sort of like an outcast or they don't have a lot of friends or they're you know home alone with two children all day and they feel lonely like I, I think um, these types of businesses sort of prey on that those like feelings of loneliness and so you know, if you're on social media you've probably seen at some point um, people in MLM saying like, come link arms with me or link arms with us. Um, and you'll even see, like we even used to like make these photos when we were on retreats and stuff where we would all stand with our arms linked <laughs> and then we would post that picture and say, come link arms with us because we wanted to foster that sense of like community. And I will tell you, it was all fake. And I, I'm pretty sure I said this a couple of weeks ago too, like we were staging all of these photos. And even like the photos where we were laughing, we weren't laughing at anything. They told us to laugh. And so we laughed and we looked like maniacs. Um, a lot of that stuff was just for the camera. And, you know, this other idea that you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, you're part of a team, you get trainings, um, but I had to earn any type of help that I got. I couldn't just get on a call with my upline coach. I had to earn it and I had to earn it by hitting a certain sales quota and people who didn't get to that level, who didn't make that quota or didn't earn time with our upline coach just didn't get it. So basically like if you're struggling or you're not doing well in your business, you're basically on your own and that's not really what we're advertising, right? Um, we were also always told to plug into our teams, especially if we were struggling. And especially like um, when I was talking earlier about leaning in, that was a big piece of it. Because if you're if you're plugging into all of your team calls, you're hearing all this rhetoric all the time. If you're stepping back from it and maybe not listening to all of these calls and all of these trainings, you're getting away from all of this language that I'm describing right now. And it's easier for you to think more clearly. I think probably the uh, one of the phrases that had the biggest impact on me was that success leaves clues. And I heard that a zillion times during my time with Beachbody. Um, and this was really um, probably what led me to put my upline coach on a pedestal because she was very successful. Um, she had been with the company like for quite a while. You know, she she got in kind of early on and she was one of those like early success people. Um, and so I really believed that if I hung on her every word, if I did everything that she said, if I did, you know, the things that she did and said the things that she said, that I would be as successful as her because I was taking those little clues from her. And if it, that was working for her, it could work for me. But again, you know, going back to the whole level playing field, like it's not a level playing field. And she had things that I didn't have and I had things that she didn't have. And to try to just emulate another person and 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 sort of like regurgitate a lot of the same stuff that she was doing was not a good business tactic. And, um, 
you know, I, as much as I tried to be myself and have my own personality come through, I was also taking a lot of her cues and using them in my own content and my own interactions. Um, you know, and I think that when I think about like some of the more um, like shameful things that I said and did, like a lot of those came from her. And I'm not saying that to avoid responsibility, but I just know that that was my mentality. And that was sort of where that came from. Um, we did a lot of sales trainings. Our big business was really recruiting, but that was also sales as well. Um, you know, but as I've taken a step back and, and not in the business anymore, I've really learned that the um, the people within the company, like the people who were coaches, the people who were already customers were the big customers because they were the ones who were purchasing the product. And of course, we wanted to pull new people in, but it was really about keeping the people who were already signed up, keeping them there and getting them to buy more and more and more and more products. Um, but, you know, we did have a lot of sales trainings um, to try to get more people in. And so one of the things that we were told a lot was that no just means not right now. Now, I work in marketing now and I work with a lot of salespeople. And that's actually a pretty common phrase that like it basically means, you know, maybe the person um, just doesn't have the money right now or maybe, you know, they need to get permission from somebody else. Or, you know, there are a lot of other factors that go into making a purchasing decision. So, yeah no might mean not right now but it also might mean leave me alone i'm not interested and so you know it, it was sort of created this idea that even if somebody was telling you to piss off and leave them alone you would still go back to them and, and say like hey well you know i know you weren't interested last month but are you interested this month and man it, it created a lot of discomfort for me in those conversations um, you know, and also you can't say the wrong thing to the right person, um, which, you know, is really sort of contradictory. And a lot of this stuff is, if you think about it, but why do we have all of these scripts if you can't say the wrong thing? Like, why do we have to follow what other people were saying and, and say that exact same thing if you can't say the wrong thing to the right person? It was just, that was sort of ridiculous. Um, you know, and obviously be a product of the product, which I talked about a lot last episode, um, that was for us internally. Like if you're not purchasing the products and you're not doing the workouts and, and you know, if there's a new product, you need to buy it and you need to use it so that, you know, because how can you sell it if you've never used it and all of this stuff. But that was a tactic to get us to buy stuff. So it was like almost like an internal sales tactic. And then we were also always told you need to spend money to make money. Again, that was to purchase products, but it was also um, a lot of these top coaches started doing their own um, trainings, their own courses um, on how to be successful. Some of them were creating like books and planners and stuff like that. And so we were always told you need to spend money to make money. And a lot of that was, you know, about like investing in yourself. And that was always another one too. You need to invest in yourself. Um, and again, you know, that was just to get us to spend more money. And when you're in a business where you're hardly making any money, you don't, you're, you're not always comfortable spending that money, but it's, so it's like this sort of tug of war in your brain that, you know, if I am not making much money right now, it's hard for me to spend it. But if I don't spend it, I'll never make the money that I want to make. And that was sort of like the, the merry-go-round in my mind, at least about, you know, having to spend money on all of this stuff. There was a lot of language around purpose and mindset. Um, the one that I heard 
almost on the daily was your why should make you cry. And as corny as that is, <laughs> that was really, um, I think that was probably one of the biggest manipulation tactics because we really did need to um, come up with and share with our teams and our, our uplines why we were doing this business, like what made it really meaningful to us. And for me, it was always my family and especially my daughter. You know, I, I wanted to create a better life for her. I didn't want her to ever want for anything. And I also wanted to show her that she could do anything she wanted to do and she could be anyone that she wanted to be. And so that was always my why. Um, but by sharing that with other people, it could be used against me and it, it could be used to manipulate me. Um, and it was sometimes. So as much as I think it's important for people to have a purpose and know why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, I, I do it, you know, if I have a bad day at work, you know, sometimes I have to remind myself, okay, well, you know, <laughs> you need the paycheck and, you know, whatever, you have to pay your, your bills and, and all of that stuff. Um, you know, it's not the same as, as digging into that, like really deeper. And we, I mean, we would do workshops on like, okay, well, your why isn't strong enough. So we need to dig deeper. Um, and that I, I really do believe that that was all used as a manipulation tactic so that they almost, it was almost like they had dirt on you. So if you started to waver, you weren't doing well, if you, you know, God forbid spoke about, you know, maybe leaving the business, they could turn around and say, but I thought you were doing this for your daughter. Isn't she important to you? Like, it, yeah, it, it's just so, so gross. Um, uh, turn your mess into a message was also a big one. And I know I talked about this when I talked about my cancer journey. Um, I turned my mess into a message. All I did was talk about my cancer for months and months and months. And, you know, I, I basically became a poster child within my own team and even um, some other teams that, you know, even though I went through this, you know, very scary medical ordeal, I was still working and I was still ranking up. And if I can do it, so can you, you know, see how all of this stuff ties in together. Um, another one was your vibe attracts your tribe. I never quite figured this out or what the heck that even meant. Um, but I think, you know, really what it meant was that like, if you put yourself out there and you are, you know, your true authentic self, which was another phrase that they used a lot, um, you know, that you would attract people who, um, you know, were similar to you. And, you know, again, that's kind of funny because we were also being told that success leaves clues and that you need to sort of emulate the people above you. And so like, how can you possibly be yourself if you're also trying to be somebody else? Um, so this next one, I have mixed feelings about because I actually believe in this phrase, which is comparison is the thief of joy. You shouldn't be constantly looking at other people and comparing yourself to, you know, what they look like or um, where they live or how much money they make. It, it is it just, you know, you should be focused on yourself. However, when we when it was used in the context of MLM, it, it was extremely hypocritical because we were always being compared to others. So as much as they would say, don't compare yourself to other people. But then, you know, in, in the next phrase, they would be saying, well, look at Susie who just signed up with the organization two months ago and she's already at this level and she's already making this money. And I know that they did that to show like, you know, if she can do it, so can you. But it also like you're comparing yourself to that person. So like it, you can't have it both ways. And so much of this rhetoric was contradictory so much. And, and now that I've 
you know, been able to get some distance from it and look at it almost from an outsider's perspective, um, a lot of this was just hypocrisy. Um, We were always told that we needed to plug into our personal development. And if you listen to last week's episode, I went over this. Um, Personal development was a big part of what we were supposed to be doing every day. There's nothing wrong with, um, you know, wanting to have some growth or to learn something new, but I, I really believe that this was such an important piece of our culture because it fosters the idea that you're not good enough and that if you're failing or struggling with some piece of the business or just not doing well in general, it's not because of the business. It's not because of the products. It's not because of your upline. It's not because of the company. It's because of you and because you need to fix something within yourself. So again, it, like it almost creates that us versus them mentality, but this time it's like you're the them, if that makes sense. Like it's like, you know, the company and everybody within it is like the good, you know, the good piece of it and you're the problem. You're, you're the one who's the hater. And so you need to work on yourself. So all of this, all of these different phrases I've just shared with you add up to basically empty promises and false hope. I was just clinging to the idea that all of the sacrifices I was making, all of the time I spent, the money that I spent, um, you know, the, the um, behaviors that didn't really feel true to myself, all of that would be worth it. I believed the lie that I was doing it for my family when really all I was doing was losing precious time with them. I think a lot of this thinking and a lot of the impact of, um, you know, all of this uh, manipulation still does impact me to this day. And that's really why I decided to speak out because it really does damage it. You know, I've seen so many other people who have had such similar experiences and it's painful and it's hurtful and it's not easy to, you know, get out of. And so I just wanted to say that if you are, you know, sort of feeling that way and you're involved in one of these companies, you are not alone and you are always more than welcome to reach out to me. I, I, I love to help other people. I think that's why I got into that business particularly was because I wanted to help people. And now I have an opportunity to really help people like this. You know, I'm not selling you a shake and a, <laughs> and a workout program like you know, I, I'm I'm very open to having conversations and, and helping people to sort of see what I now see. And so that's why I'm here and that's why I'm doing this podcast. Um, next week, I'm going to be talking about another type of damage um, that is created particularly by the health and wellness MLMs, which is diet culture and body image. Um, so I'm going to dig into that a little bit more next week. Uh, thank you so much for listening and being here. I'm just so thrilled that, um, you know, so many of you have said that this podcast is resonating with you. And so I'm just going to keep keep going. <laughs> and, you know, always please feel free to reach out if you have ideas, or if there's something you'd like me to touch on, because I'm always looking for ideas and topics. Also always looking for guests. So please feel free to um, fill out the form through the link in my Instagram bio. Um, or you can just message me directly and I'd be happy to share that that little application with you. Um, you know, it's scary. And I've said this many times. It's scary to share your story, but there's a really, really um, big purpose behind it. And so if you feel compelled to do that, I would love to give you the platform to share your own story. So thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.